we're going to really, let's set the stage of what's going on here. I want to break it down, and we're really going to dig into this scripture and what's going on. So first, before we get started, it worked in the early service this morning. I had a little joke. One or two people laugh. We'll see if we'll do a little better. So the joke goes, why did Jesus and his disciples cross the Galilee? Hey, makes you wonder where the chicken crossing the road joke came from, right? And if you don't believe me, Matthew chapter 8, verse 18 tells us, Now when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to go where? Over to the other side. So it's not only a little funny, but it's, it's scripture. You know, they did. That's why they crossed the Galilee to get to the other side. So let's uh, set the stage for what is happening here in Matthew 8, 23 through 27. So take the Galilee. We've got the Sea of Galilee here. It's about 8.1 miles across. So not huge, you know, a modest-sized body of water, 33 miles in circumference, basically no more than a, than a large lake. Um, high winds would often come off the mountains that surrounded it. So this was not unusual for high winds to come blowing across. And there would have been huge storms that would pop up frequently. So the storms were nothing out of the ordinary because of where it was located. It was kind of trapped around the mountains. The, the, the winds would come through. Start, in the mornings, the water would be like glass. And by, by that afternoon, it could be just raging. So that kind of sets the kind of where they're at. Now, let's take a look at Jesus and his disciples because it says here that they got in the boat on the shore there at the Galilee. And the boat probably and possibly belonged to James and John. There's a possibility that it belongs to them. And we can see that in Matthew chapter 4, verse 21. And that reads, and going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they were men doing this right there at the Sea of Galilee. And we know that James and John were also known as the sons of thunder. So I was talking to Denny earlier. If we were to like start a tag team wrestling group, that would be our that would be our name. We'd be the Sons of Thunder. But but these guys here, they're they're they're, they're watermen. They're fishermen. They know the area. They know the water. So we need keep that in mind as we go through this. These guys know what's going on. Now the boat that they get in is about twenty six point five feet long around that area, seven and a half foot wide held around 15 to 18 people, had a center mass with a sail on it, uh, probably had a flat bottom. So we're thinking V-bottom boats, no, this flat bottom. Basically, it was like a fancy John boat with a sail in it. So when you're in rough water, John boats are not really what you want to be in in real rough water. You want something with a deeper hull that can take it, but they're not, they're just in a simple fishing boat. So how do we know this? How do we know what they look like? Because in 1986, an archaeological find discovered a boat exactly like this located near the Sea of Galilee. So it gives us an idea of actually what they were in. 
So we need to keep that in mind because these guys are going to all be piled in this sketchy little boat with a sail on it here in a little while. And to give you an idea of its size, I'd say it's about as big as this stage. Pretty close. That's about how big it is. Yeah, pretty close. Just to give you a little idea of what, of what we're doing. So keep this in mind. At least four of the disciples were fishermen. So these guys knew the water. They knew what was going on. These guys knew how to predict the weather. They knew how to handle rough seas. They were fishermen. They were rough around the edges. You know, they probably had experienced many storms out there before. So we got to keep that in mind because we're going to see what happens to these guys a little bit later on when they experience a storm. But yet, Scripture tells us these guys still are afraid. So ask yourself, does this sound familiar, this fear, when life is full of these storms? Some we can navigate alone. Some we need a lot of help. We know the storms are coming, just like these fishermen. They knew storms were coming. There's a possibility that it's going to happen. They knew this. But yet we still get off guard, and our life is the same way. Guess what? There's a storm coming for every person sitting in here. But yet we forget about it, and we, we, we don't prepare ourselves for it. We, we, we get scared. We get caught up in it. But I promise you, one's coming. We don't know when. We don't know what. We don't know why, we don't know how, but it, it's, it's coming, and we need to prepare for it. And how do we prepare for that? Through the Word of God, drawing closer, drawing closer to a loving Father. So we know these storms are coming, and we must not let our guard down. A quote that I found by an unknown author says, I'd rather go through the storm with Jesus than through life without him. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for all you do. Lord, I ask and pray that you will bless this time, open hearts and minds as we talk about your word. We ask this through Jesus' name. Amen. So now that we've kind of set the stage of what, where we're at, what's going on, what it looks like, let's take our scripture and we're going we're gonna to really just kind of break it down and dig into it. So we look at Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. And that reads, And when he, Jesus, got into the boat, his disciples followed him. So Jesus, gotta, this is important here. He's the first one to get into the boat. He doesn't say, disciples, go get in the boat. He goes first. So what does that tell us? Jesus is not asking us to do anything that he hasn't done himself because he's going first. He goes before us, and he gives us that example. So that is something that really stuck out, stuck out to me. So he goes first. And we read in 1 Peter 2.21, For this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. 
So he is the example for us to follow. He doesn't demand us to do anything that he hasn't done first himself. So I'm wearing my T-shirt today that says Jesus took naps and I'm just trying to be like him. So he set a great example. We're going to read here as Master Mike. He was taking a nap in the midst of all this. So when Candace gives me a hard time at home about taking a nap in the chair, I'm just like, check the shirt, you know? <laughs> look at what the shirt says. But with all kidding aside, we're going to look at why and how Jesus could take that nap. And you know what? We should be able to take that nap in these storms too. So Jesus, again, is our perfect example. Amen? Amen. Matthew 8, 24. Let's take a look at that one. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that boat was being swamped by waves, but he was asleep. All right, so remember, they're in a fancy John boat with a big sail on it, packed with a bunch of dudes, and Jesus is asleep, and they're in a big old storm. So you're probably, you know, there's probably not that much boat sticking out of the water. So it, it's pretty sketchy. You know, I've done some sketchy stuff, but that one is pretty, pretty sketchy. So they're in this boat in a nasty storm. It's beating them around, and it's a great storm. So it's probably bigger one than they're used to seeing. And remember, we got men on this boat that should know how to handle all this because they're fishermen. It's what they do. It's how they make their living. They should easily be able to handle this. But guess what? Jesus is in the back. He's asleep. While the boat's being tossed and turned and swamped and basically nearly sinking. So this storm must have been fierce if it's got these guys all, all worked up. And this is also a reminder to us that life is not always smooth sailing. We're going to go through these rough spots. We're going to be swamped. We're going to be tossed. We're going to be turned. We're going to be flipped. And it's going to seem sketchy, just like this boat that they're in. And it reminds us that when we follow Jesus, there is a cost. These guys had a call. I mean, these guys put their lives on the line by getting in this boat with Jesus, going out and, and getting swamped. So in life, we're going to go through many of these storms. Some we see and some catch us off guard. Some examples of that, you know, there's loss of a job. You know, you can't see that coming. It catches you off guard. Sudden illness catches us off guard. I've experienced it personally. I know everybody in here has probably experienced it pers personally. Addiction, death, and persecution. You're like, persecution? There's no persecution in the U.S. Well, guess what? It's coming. It's knocking on our door. We have brothers and sisters in Christ around the world that are, per that are being persecuted, and they're dying for what we can freely sit here and read without worry. And the day's coming where we may not be able to do that the way we are right now. That's a storm. That's a legit storm. 
How are we going to handle that storm? Are we going to be scared? That's a good question to ask yourself. But while this boat was being tossed and turned, Jesus was asleep. And you might be asking yourself, how in the world could he be asleep, moving around, jostling, water splashing on him, and who the guy? The guys in there are are freaking out. They're working the sail. They're doing whatever they can do, and he's asleep. Well, one, he is Jesus. We got to keep that in mind. Fully God, fully man, but he is Jesus. And two, he was tired. That was the man side of him. His body was tired. You got to remember what he was doing. He was, the disciples saw him, you know, ministering and healing the lepers and doing so much. It wore him out. He was tired. He had to take a nap because he is fully God and fully man. And once again, Jesus is showing us an example that we, we need rest. And while following him has a cost, that he has paid it all, and all to him we do owe. I don't know about you, but I've been woken up abruptly as we're going to get into this. And Jesus' response is interesting because the disciples abruptly wake him up out of a dead sleep. 1 Peter 2.24 he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. So while following Jesus has a price, we need to keep this in mind that he has saved us and by his wounds, we are healed. In Matthew eight twenty five. I'm going to read that. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. So here the disciples are basically freaked out. They start hollering. They start screaming. So much so they're yelling, Jesus, wake up. Save us. Wake up. So you got to take the, I mean, think about this, the noise of the storm, the water splashing around. And then they're yelling and screaming. I mean, it is a, a chaotic scene that we've got here. And remember again, these are men who have seen Jesus perform all of these miracles and men that know how to navigate the waters. But, so at this point, let's give the disciples a little bit of credit here. A little bit. While they were scared, yes, who did they call for? They called out for Jesus. What an example for us. When we're scared and we're down, we've got to remember who we need to call for. And that's Jesus. And in Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen? Amen. And in Matthew 8, 26, and he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, 
and they were there was a great calm. All right, so I was talking about being woken up abruptly a little minute ago. So this was Jesus being woken up very abruptly. So he yelled at the disciples, basically. I have been woken up abruptly, thanks to my sisters who are sitting back there. I mean, it's been some hollering, some screaming, and I've even had water poured on me, you name it. And I personally would have had some more choice words if I would have been woken abruptly the way Jesus was. No wonder he yelled at these disciples. He was in a dead sleep, and they come screaming and hollering, and he's like, what is wrong with y'all? You've seen all this stuff that I've done. Oh, you of little faith, why are you afraid? He yelled at them. So Jesus was not telling the disciples they had no faith. We've got to remember that. He's not saying you don't have any faith, but he said their faith was lacking. They were lacking faith. How often do we lack faith? It doesn't mean you don't have faith, but we lack it sometimes when we go through these trials, when we go through these storms, these, these storms of our life, whatever they might be. Our faith can lack sometimes. And we need to look back at the disciples and not let our faith lack. We must always remember that during the storms of life, we serve a risen Savior that calms the storm. And we are to call on Him when we need Him. And He tells us that. And we have anxieties. And 1 Peter 5, 7 tells us, cast all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. That's why we can do that. We can call out on him. We can cast our anxieties on him. And these anxieties, there's no limitation to what they are. It's anything. It's anything because he cares for us. And in Matthew 8, 27... And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even winds and sea obey him? So after all they've seen, now they're marveled again. They've seen the miracles. They've seen what Jesus has done. They know who he is. And yet when he calmed the seas because they called on him and he saved them, he calmed the seas. And this they just could not comprehend. I believe that by Jesus calming the seas, they were more scared then than they were in the storm itself. Seeing him calm the seas with just his word scared them. And guess what? Having fear of a holy God is a good thing. I think there's too many of us now that don't have a healthy fear of God. They've made him little g, God, instead of big G, big O, big D, God. We can't not have fear of a living, the living God. In Matthew 10, Verse 28. 
And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Have fear for the holy living God. It is right. Amen? Amen. And I am so thankful that I serve the risen Savior, the one who calms the storm with only His Word. And Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10 tells us, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. With the heart and with the mouth. Today, today is the day. If you have never confessed Jesus, if you have never believed in your heart that He is the Lord, today is an opportunity for you to do so. He's always calling. He looks for us. He loves us. And there's pastor, the pastor and the elders here would love to take time to speak with and pray with anybody here who has questions about this. Because it is just imperative that we listen. We open our hearts, we open our minds, and we listen to the call of the Holy Spirit. We've got a river baptism coming up in August. What, the 27th? Is that right, Mitchell? The 27th. Awesome time. I had the joy in my life to baptize my two nieces in the river. I held them down as long as I could. They started kicking and squirming. I let them up. But it was just an awesome time for us to be together, to just see them express outwardly their, their accepting of Christ. It was just, it was an awesome time. And I've talked about this for baptism doesn't save. Salvation has to come first. Baptism is our outward world. This is me. Jesus is my follower. I'm, I am Jesus' follower. He, he is my Savior. And that's an opportunity for you to do this. And it is an awesome opportunity. So hopefully we'll have, uh, it won't rain. But if not, you're going to get wet anyway, so it's no big deal. And our service will be that day as well, outside there at the river. So let's take a little time. I, I want to just take a moment, a moment of uh, just just silence while, we, while you search your hearts, while you search your minds. Seek the Lord. Seek His counsel. Just prepare yourself. And then we'll close in prayer. <coughs> Let us pray.
most gracious, loving, holy, heavenly Father, we, we thank you so much for the gift of your Son that bore our sins on the cross, that took on the punishment that we deserve. And Father, I just ask and pray that you are speaking to hearts in this room today and that you are drawing them near. Lord, I just um, thank you for your word. Thank you just for this fellowship and time together, Lord, to worship you and to love you, Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will be with us this week as we leave your house and go out into the world, Lord, the true mission field, that you will be with us at all times. Help us to be examples of you because you've already gone first. You've already been the example. You're not asking us to do anything you haven't already done. Lord, use us this week. Lord, put people in our paths. Help us to be that example. And we thank you and we love you and we praise you, Lord. And we ask this all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.